because of you, all because of Christ Jesus. Amen? Before I have the mothers stand and we want to give a prayer for them, I want to read a couple verses out of Proverbs 31. Her children arise and call her blessed. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done. Moms, will you stand, please, all over the room? Because we do want to thank you. Remain standing. We want to honor you. And we want to praise you for all that you've done. Some of us have mothers that are with the Lord. And, you know, where would we be? That's kind of a trite phrase. But where would we be without our moms? All the wonderful things they've done for us. And the teaching, the training, the love. So thank you, moms, for being the mothers that you are to your children and your grandmothers to your grandchildren. Keep it up. Live for Christ. Have a godly model for those kids. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for these mothers who stand before you. We want to honor them. We want to thank you with praise from our lips for them, the work of their hands, all that it's said about those mothers there in Proverbs 31. Lord, bless them on this special day of theirs. Continue to use them and guide them in the ways of Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, moms. Thank you. My name is David Blackburn. For you that may not know, you're here as the first time. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Fellowship. His name was Larry Walters. He was a 33-year-old truck driver who lived in San Pedro, California, not far from Los Angeles. He had always dreamed of flying but couldn't become a pilot because he had poor eyesight. But on July 2nd, 1982, his wish came true. He was finally doing it. He was flying. He was in the pilot's seat, flying in the clouds. Only not in a plane. Larry was flying in a lawn chair. A lawn chair he called Inspiration One. It had 45 helium-filled weather balloons attached to it. Lawn Chair Larry was fulfilling his dream. I'm not making this up. He and his girlfriend Carol had planned every detail. Parachute, check. CB radio, check. Sandwiches, check. Cold beer, check, check. Camera, check. Pellet gun, check. Now, they forgot one thing. They forgot to calculate how high Larry and the Inspiration One would rise into the wild blue yonder. See, when his friends cut the line holding him to the ground on West 7th Street, he shot up to a height of 15,000 feet, nearly three miles. Air traffic controllers at the Long Beach Airport began receiving calls from pilots 
who were flying planes. Reports of a man floating in their airspace in a lawn chair. Now, if we could imagine, we could almost hear those air traffic controllers like, yeah, right, what are you guys smoking today? After 45 minutes of living his dream, it was time to descend. Larry shot several balloons with the pellet gun to help him come down. That's when he accidentally dropped the gun. Now he was at the mercy of the winds. He eventually made it back to earth. But the balloon ropes got caught in some high power lines. That caused a neighborhood blackout. Fortunately for Larry, he was not hurt, and he was able to jump to the ground. The police arrested him on the spot. A reporter asked him why he had done it. Larry replied, a man just can't sit around. Well, he was fined $1,500. He received a top prize from the Bonehead Club of Dallas, Texas, for his adventure. He was also invited to appear on the Tonight Show and the David Letterman Show. Larry was looking for a life that wasn't just ordinary. Sitting in a lawn chair in the backyard. You see, anybody can do that. No, he wanted an extraordinary life. And here's a newsflash for you today. God wants that for me and you. He wants to give us an extraordinary life. He referred to it in John 10. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What comes to mind when you hear the words abundant life? Is it piles of money? Exotic sport cars? 10,000 plus square foot homes? World travel? The finest food and entertainment? These things would be part of the abundant life in the minds of most people in America. But Paul said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in what? In Christ. In God's economy, the people who have the most abundant lives aren't those who amass worldly fortunes or obtain the most toys in life. You see, these things in and of themselves will never give you the abundant life. I'm not speaking against money and possessions, but from heaven's perspective, they aren't considered the abundant life. The people who have the abundant life are those who have tapped into the resources only God makes available. Resources such as forgiveness and love and hope and joy and goodness. All of these wonderful things in this life 
and then eternal life with him to come. Paul tells us that the abundant resources of God can be ours in Christ. Do you remember the beautiful yellow daffodils that were on the cafe tables Easter Sunday? Many followers of Christ are like those flowers. No matter how much we water a cut flower and add that little chemical packet to the water, eventually it's going to die because it's been cut off from its roots, its life source. Many Christians want the abundant life from God, but they've been cut off from the source of that abundance. You see, to have the abundant or the full life God makes available, we must do two things. Number one, we must enter into a relationship with Christ. And following on the heels of that, number two, we must live day in and day out in fellowship with Christ. Jesus put it like this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain where? In me. As a flower without roots, so is the Christian without an ongoing relationship with Christ. God has abundant spiritual resources. And he wants to enrich our lives with them. But he can't when we're apart from Christ or when we're out of fellowship with him. Have you ever looked in the wrong place to find the right answer? The story's told about a man who was intoxicated. And he was down on his hands and knees looking at the ground, just searching around. A policeman drives up and asks him what he was doing. The man replied that he was looking for his wallet. Well, where did you lose the wallet, sir? The man kind of motioned with his hand and said, about two blocks down that way. Well, why are you looking for it here? The man replied, there's no street light down there. (laughs) And that's kind of dumb, isn't it? Well, Jesus wants us to be smart and look in the right place to find the abundant life that he offers. Throughout history, God has encouraged his followers to look in the right place for the abundant, extraordinary life he wanted them to have. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Israel had been rescued from slavery. But they had not yet entered into the promised land. After 40 years in the wilderness, the people were probably asking something you mothers have heard many times. You know what that is? Are we there yet? See, there's nothing new under the sun. God said this to the people from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you 
that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, now choose life. God says, you wonder why I get nervous up here. God said, you must choose. No one can choose for you. He said, make the right choice. Choose the abundant life that I have in store for you. Moses goes on and says, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. You see, choosing the abundant and extraordinary from the ordinary life is not only a matter of personal choice, but corporate one. All of us together here at Faith Fellowship, we must, number one, choose to love the Lord. Number two, choose to listen to His voice through His Word. And three, choose to hold on to Him no matter what happens in our world. The choice you and I have today is this. Will we choose to live our lives centered in God and His Son, Jesus Christ, or live our lives centered in something else? There are many something else's in this room, as many as there are people here today. So the question is, what is your life centered on? Mother's Day 2010, Christ or something else? Now, there's no way that we can live our lives centered in Him if He is not at the center of our lives. There's no way that we can live our lives centered in Christ if Christ is not at the center of our lives. And if you've not made him your Lord and Savior, then you probably don't understand what I'm even talking about right now. And if that's you, my prayer is that someday soon, and perhaps even today, you will come to realize that you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that you will ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you will believe in him alone for your salvation and eternal life. When I left home this morning, I realized I had black on. And then when I got here, I thought, how did Johnny Cash do it all those years in black under lights like this? A few months ago, I bought this device at Home Depot. And I don't know if you can see it, but does anyone want to guess and take a venture to guess what this might be? A stud indicator... Why do they call them studs anyway? I don't understand that. In my day, there were two befores. 
I didn't even want to bring that up in your study indicator. But you know what it is, right? It's a device to help someone find the center of a wooden or metal, and since you said it, stud in the wall. And when you find the center, you can put that nail or, or that screw right there in the center, and you can accomplish your task. It helps indicate the center. Now, if there was a device that could indicate if a person's life was centered in Christ, what would it look like? Would it be something like this or or one of those metal detectors at Lambert International? And if we had that device here today, who would want to volunteer to come on stage and have it examine your life? Well, not to worry because uh, we're not rolling anything out. Because there is no man-made device that will indicate if our lives are centered in Christ. You see, if we want to have the abundant life that God offers, we can't just sit around dreaming about it and hoping for it. No, we must have a life that is centered in Christ. Friends, there's no other way. The life centered in Christ is an intentional life. The definition of the word intentional is a determination to act in a certain way. So what's the most intentional thing we can do to have a life centered in Christ? Well, I believe the most intentional thing that you and I can do to have a life centered in Christ is found in John chapter 15. Jesus tells us here what we must do to have the life that God wants us to have. I am the vine, you are the branches. If any remain in me and I remain in them, they what? Produce much fruit. But without me, they can do nothing. As followers of Christ, we are to remain in a place. And what is that place? Jesus said we're to remain in him. In other words, that place is centered in Christ. You see, being centered in Christ is an intentional act of our will on a daily basis, no matter what is going on around us whether it's good stuff or bad stuff. You could be upside down on your mortgage. Or you could get that job promotion you've been praying about. Your spouse may have left you. Or you could get the report that you wanted from the doctor's office. Being centered in Christ is not dependent on what is going on around us, whether it's good or bad. Jesus said, if we were centered in him, there's an indicator of that fact. So, what indicates the life that is centered in Christ? What did Jesus say we were going, was going to take place in our lives? He said we would produce what? 
much fruit. You know, just looking at that, you wonder, what's he talking about? Is he talking about apples and peaches, all the, the good fruit that's coming on the, lo- on the vine now? Watermelons? How many of you ever raised fruit trees? Either in the past or you have a fruit tree or two. Someone told me a couple of weeks ago that they had planted a fruit tree. I, I used to have some fruit trees, and it's a lot of fun. How many ever grew, grew watermelons or uh, cantaloupes in your yard, your garden? Anybody? Well, have you ever stood near apple trees and wondered why apples weren't growing from your arms? Or stood near watermelon vines and wondered why watermelons weren't coming forth from your, between your toes? What is Jesus talking about here? What does he mean by fruit? How much and what kind of fruit are we producing? When our lives are centered in him, what exactly does Jesus want us to produce? I believe Jesus wants us to produce three things. One of the things he wants us to produce is the fruit of Christian character. Now, Christian character is a set of attitudes that help define a Christian. It's those attitudes that help show a person is, in fact, centered in Christ. And we find some of those attitudes listed for us in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These attitudes are some of the fruit that the Spirit of Christ produces in us. Well, fruit also has to do with our actions. And John the Baptist refers to the second thing Jesus wants us to produce. The fruit of repentance. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, John the Baptist said, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, when we repent and turn to Christ, we're to stop doing some things with God's help. That comes as a revelation to some people, but that's exactly what it means. And most of us know what we should stop doing when we have genuine repentance in our hearts. Now, if we honestly don't know, then I believe we can go to God in prayer and ask Him to show us the things in our lives that we should stop doing with His help. But it's not enough just to stop doing some things. We need to start doing some other things. There are things that help us produce fruit. Things like reading the Bible. Things like prayer. Things like worship. Things like joining a small men's Bible study or ladies' Bible study or group Bible study. And we offer so many of those. Things like sharing your faith with your neighbors, your co-workers, your family. Things like serving and giving. Things we've all heard before. These are things we should be doing. These are fruits of repentance. What Jesus wants us to produce the fruit of Christian character, 
He wants us to produce the fruit of repentance. He also wants us to produce the fruit of other followers of Christ. In Matthew 28, we read what Jesus told his disciples just before he ascended into heaven. The last things he spoke to his followers. Go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does anyone know what this is known as in Christian? The Great Commission. The Great Commission is considered the marching orders of the church and all the followers of Christ because we are the church. It's our marching orders until Jesus comes to take us home to be with Him in heaven. These orders tell us that we're to make other followers of Christ. We're to make other people who are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's to be just as certain as apple seeds making other apple trees, apples, watermelon seeds making other watermelons. Followers of Christ are to make other followers of Christ through our witness and testimony of God's saving grace in our lives. Just hold that screen right there. Let me say this. People say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to debate the Bible and I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus and I don't want to talk to people about all, blah, 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 blah. All you got to do is tell them what God has done in your life. What God has done in your life. They can't debate that. Just speak up when opportunity comes and tell them what Christ has done in your life. Every Bible-believing and Christ-honoring church should have the Great Commission as part of their mission statement, whether it's written somewhere or it's implied by what they do. And we have that as a major part of our DNA around here at Faith Fellowship. Each follower of Christ also has the Great Commission as their personal mission statement, whether they're aware of it tonight or not. Well, you are aware of it now. You can't leave this place and say, I didn't know. Our mission as a church and as individuals is to be fruitful, to let the life of Christ be formed in us through Christian character, through repentance, and helping grow other followers of Christ. There's one final element that is vital for us in producing fruit and having our lives centered in Christ. It's found in John 15. Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, and now read it with me, please. Love each other as I have loved you. Read it for me again, please. You notice the emphasis in these verses? The word love 
or loved is mentioned seven times. Did you see the command that Jesus gave his disciples in verse 12? Love each other. Now, do you think that was only for them way back when, the first century disciples? How about his 21st century disciples? Are we to love each other? Jesus wanted to make it crystal clear to the disciples that they were going to need to love each other with a Christ-like love. Jesus knew that in just a few hours, he was going to be arrested. He was going to be tried. And he was going to be executed. And their world was going to come crashing down around them. Jesus knew they would need a special commitment to love in order to help see them through the months and years ahead. He knew they would face testing and trials. And love was going to be the key to help them endure and overcome. These men went on to evangelize the Roman Empire and establish Christianity throughout the known world. And love was a contributing factor to them being able to do this. Now, Jesus also knew that you and I would need this special commitment to love. In our 21st century lives, we face trials and tests. You don't know, a week goes by that we hear from people in our church that are going through some tough things, physically, financially, relationally, whatever it might be. Oh, they're different from the disciples, but life brings tough times to everyone. And today, followers of Christ also need a commitment to love each other. I come from a church background where people were often referred to as brother and sister in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. That may sound old-fashioned, and maybe it is to you. But I kind of like it, although I realize I don't use it very often around here. Because it reminds me that I'm to love and care for you and other Christians just as I would love and care for my own brother and sister. Friends, we produce fruit when we're connected to one another in Christ-like love. The Christian life is to be lived in community. It's not a solo act. That's why it's so important to have a church home, to have a church family. Every Christ follower needs to be part of his body through a local fellowship of believers where we can love and where we can be loved. The difficulty and pressure of living for Christ in our culture today requires the love of committed brothers and sisters in Christ to help see us through and help us be fruitful for Christ. There's a sad ending to the story of Lawn Chair Larry. And I know you think I've made this up, but I just ask you to Google it. This is all real. They act, the Smithsonian Institute actually asked for his lawn chair to be placed in the Smithsonian Institute. But he had given it away to somebody. 
Kind of sounds like Larry, doesn't it? Well, in 1993, at the age of 44, Larry Walters committed suicide. You see, Larry wanted an extraordinary life, an abundant life. The problem for Larry and so many others is they are looking in the wrong place to try and find the right answer. The abundant life, the extraordinary life is available to all of us in this place today if we will look in the right place. If we make the choice to be centered in Christ, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we live in fellowship with Him every day, our lives will be centered in Christ. And when that happens, we will produce the fruit of Christian character, attitudes like love, joy, peace, kindness, and on and on. We'll also produce the fruit of repentance where we realize we're to stop doing some things and start doing some other things. And finally, we will produce the fruit of other followers of Christ through our intentional, consistent witness of God's mercy and grace in our lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible love. Lord, that song, All Because of You, reminds us that we're here this morning because of you, because of your life, your death, your resurrection, your reigning and ruling from heaven over the affairs of men. And Lord, I believe that those of us who call you our Lord and Savior, we want our lives centered in Christ. Not just for an hour on Sunday morning at church, but throughout the week, Lord, daily. Whether things are good in our life or things are bad or things are upside down, topsy-turvy, whatever life throws at us, we want our lives centered in you. Lord, help us to reach out accept you as our Lord and Savior, to live in fellowship with you, to be in worship, to read our Bibles, to pray, to join a small group, to love others and let others love us. We need you today, Lord. And Lord, we do pray a a special blessing and thanksgiving once more for the mothers that are here in this place. For some of us who have mothers who've gone on to be with you, we thank you for their memory. We thank you for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and sing.